You're listening to Inspirational Perspective with Linnell Harris. Inspirational Perspective is all about murdering mediocrity and living the best life possible. Are you living the best life possible? You can subscribe to the Inspirational Perspective blog at www.inspirationalperspective.com. Follow Linnell on social media. Go to Facebook and like the Facebook page, Inspirational Perspective. You can also follow Linnell on Twitter and Instagram at the handle Linnell Harris. In this recording, Linnell asks his radio audience, is there any good leaders left? Does leadership development matter and does it make a difference? He explores notes from the Global Leadership Summit he recently attended. Let's join the conversation. And so let's talk about possible, the word possible. Because possible is really about potential, about what you can see, about what may be next or what can be next for you in life. I mean, that's what possibility is all about, right? And so when you think about the word possibility and you relate it to your life, what do you see? I mean, often we say, you know, a woman will, you know, a guy will introduce himself to a woman and she'll say, you know, he's, he's, he's a nice guy and he's got potential. And really what she's saying is, I see possibility with this man. I see that there's something that can be created. And so when I say possibility, that's what I'm talking about. You can use that analogy for all types of things in your life. And that's what I mean. And I I just felt like maybe tonight I should break that down for you guys. When I say best life possible, I'm really talking about your potential. I'm talking about what can be possible or what possibility that you can create. And then once you see the possibility, then having the courage to take action in it, because that's how you get there. You know, you can't just dream about it. Then it's just a dream. But if you dream about it and you take action, then it can become a reality. All right. Well, it's the second week of September. (laughs) Man, time is flying and it feels like fall. It feels like fall. It's funny. Last night, I did some traveling this weekend, and when I got home yesterday, I looked out the window. I was kind of just, you know, you're tired, and I was in a trance almost. I looked out the window, and I noticed that the leaves were turning, and I said, my goodness, it feels like the year just started, but the leaves are turning. And when the leaves are turning, that means that it's the, the impetus of a new season. And you guys know me. I'm always thinking, and so, you know, standing there in my window and in my living room, I was looking at those leaves and I thought to myself, man, you know, am I up to everything in 2014 that I said I would be up to? You know, and if I had to give myself a letter grade, what would that grade be? Because, again, remember, I just got done talking about possibility. Right. So at the beginning of the year and you guys know this because for two years straight, I've been talking to you about what's possible in New Year's. I, I like birthdays. I like holidays like New Year's and New Year's Eve simply because they become in a lot of ways a symbol of beginnings or a symbol of newness, a symbol of a new page by which we can, you know, we can paint possibility. So my question for you is, have you been living with intention or have you been living as a victim of time? Because a victim of time is kind of just here and existing and time is flying by and they're not necessarily at cause for their lives. And only you can answer that question and only you can make the choice to lead a powerful and intentional life. 
Only you can make that choice. Nobody else can make that choice for you. And you can come up with a lot of excuses and we all got circumstance. We all got situations. But what are you committed to? (laughs) Second weekend of every month, I spend time with the group of life coaches. Um, I have the privilege of um, being a mentor coach. And so mentoring aspiring coaches who are going for a certification as ontological leaders or ontological coaches. And uh, today we talked a lot about commitment. That's not the topic today. We're going to talk about leadership. But speaking of leadership, what is leadership if it's not commitment, right? Commitment to others, commitment to excellence, commitment to pushing an initiative or leading a cause. And often when leadership gets wacky, uh, it's because the leader's not committed or is not living up to the commitment that was made. So I don't know where that came from, but somebody probably needed it. <laughs> so there you are, whoever you are. Hopefully you, uh, you grab a hold of that and use it. But anyway, this show is all about living with intent. It really is. And living with intent to live the best life possible. And so, you know, a a way to think about it is, are you at cause for your life? And when I say at cause, I mean in action, looking at possibility, glass half full, you know, the opposite of at effect, for those of you who understand that terminology, where you're more of a victim of circumstance and situation, whatever happens to you, you know, you just kind of are tossed and turned by the wind. So something for you to think about. There's two ways to be. You get to choose which way are you. But speaking of intent tonight, our topic is in the realm of intentional leadership. And so my goal tonight is to cover some of my notes from a recent Global Leadership Summit. But mostly tonight, this is a leadership conversation. So if you're a leader or if you happen to attend this Global Leadership Summit that I talked about about back in August, you know, feel free to go ahead and dial me up right now and show your perspective on leadership and on leadership development. I love to hear from you. And tonight, the topic and questions are well, the topic is about effective leadership, right? Um, effective and intentional leadership. And my questions are, is, are there any good leaders left? Are there any good leaders left? And the second question, you know, I always come with two is does leadership development really make a difference? Or maybe I should, let me, let me rephrase that. Does leadership development matter? And does it make a difference? Because uh, it's interesting. I run into leaders who have, uh, they're too busy for development. And so then you have to wonder, I've given this stat before that only 11% of leaders in North America are effective. And so then you have to, you have to wonder, right? If leaders aren't born, they're made, and it takes development to make a leader, is that because leaders are not being responsible for their own development? Or maybe you're a leader, and the excuse is that your leader is not investing in your development, but you're a leader. Can you see the the irony in that? (laughs) Like it's your leader's responsibility to make you a better leader. A leader will step up to the plate and do what is necessary. And speaking of choosing, right, just talking about choosing, uh, being at cause for your life or at effect or choosing to be intentional about your life versus let circumstance and situation move you about. Speaking of that, right, 
Wouldn't it be the same or even more important for leaders to constantly be evaluating their leadership, constantly choosing from that place of commitment as a leader for what they intend to be and do? Isn't that our responsibility? And not that we're perfect, not that leaders are perfect, but when we do see ourselves step out of that alignment or out of alignment with our commitment, doing what we need to do to get back in line. All right. Effective leadership. Are there any good leaders left? And does leadership development make a difference? So, like I said, back in August, I had the opportunity to attend the 2014 Global Leadership Summit. And the title alone would lead anyone's thoughts towards a list of well-known, well-qualified speakers, authors, politicians and leaders around the globe who are sharing their nuggets of wisdom with a captive audience. And so that's basically what happened. OK. And so, as you guys know, typically, if I go to anything, the World Business Forum or to the Global Leadership Summit, I'm going to bring it back to you guys. I'm going to make sure you're getting this knowledge. And so this summit, I'm sorry. Was for two days. And, and for two days, I had the opportunity to learn and listen to a group of respected and, and really an eloquent roster of leaders and speakers. And tonight I want to share some of what I took away or maybe the high points of what I took away those two days. Now, before I start, I want to share my perspective on leadership and why I'm talking about this tonight, because you know, typically I'm talking about some way to, you know, improve yourself. Right. In a lot of ways, inspirational perspective is a self-improvement show. It's not just about well, it's about inspiration. Right. Because in order to make a move, there has to be an energy transfer. There has to be something that kind of builds up in your will. And when I say your will, I'm not talking about what you leave with your attorney. I'm talking about that place inside you, you know, where. You know, that that kind of fuels you to get the things done that you want to get done. You know, those goals you have, that thing that kind of pushes you, it gives you that oomph when when you're tired. That's what I'm talking about when I say will. And that that's that's what the show is about, really, just kind of fueling your will so you can go out and do the things that you want to do. So why would I talk about leadership? Right. Why wouldn't I just keep the self-improvement and inspiration? Well, Leadership is a very, very important component and is something that I believe is necessary for every last one of us, because often we think of leadership as a title. Right. So, you know, the boss is the boss because he's got that manager in the title. You know, somewhere there's an MG and an R or maybe a director, you know, senior something senior analysts and then maybe the other analysts report into the senior analysts. And so often when we think about leadership, we think about titles. But I I see leadership as very different because leaders show up everywhere. And I really see leadership as a state of being. And I've said this before, some of the most powerful leaders didn't necessarily have powerful titles. Again, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, you know, no real leadership title, if anything, more servants But they served as tremendous leaders because they embodied and embraced the very being of what leadership is meant to be. So my chief aim, my chief aim is to acquire wisdom and knowledge and learn with an unquenchable fervor. Like that's one of my chief goals. And with that goal 
it's then to passionately teach all that I've learned to others all over the world. And as you guys know, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of travel. So this is why I drive to the studio every Saturday night to teach and share in hopes that what I've learned and what has changed my life will do exactly that for someone else. Now, I've had the privilege both professionally and personally to lead people. And while leadership is a wonderful privilege, it is also an enormous, an enormous responsibility. An enormous responsibility. Why? Well, because leaders are given the reins to facilitate change. Leaders have this power to impact the well-being of the people they lead. There's a book by the name, the name is skipping me, Tom Rath. I believe the, uh, the other, there's two authors, Tom Rath and Jim Harder. I may be wrong, so forgive me if I am. But the name of the book is Well-Being. And the book overall is uh, really about well-being and your career, you know, well-being and, and well-being in every aspect of your life. Be it finances, be it your career, be it your relationships, well-being in every, your community, well-being in every aspect of your life. And when they hit on career, one of the things they said in the book is that bosses literally kill people. Now, I'm not talking about taking out a gun and shooting them or a knife or something violent. But they kill people because of the stress they can produce for the people they lead. And they actually shared a figure that on Mondays, Monday mornings, there's a notable increase in heart attacks and hospitalization over any other day of the week. Now, why would that be? Well, because if you know that this Monday you have to go work for a leader who was a terror. Uh, someone who is not responsible for their leadership, not responsible for how they go about doing what it is they do, that can be terrifying and stressful to the extent where people actually, well, where the, the terror and the fear actually manifest in the body of sickness. And so in the book, they said leaders can actually kill people. And so my question to you is, what kind of leader are you? And If you have to be on one side of the meter of creating life and vibrance or actually pushing them closer to death, where would you be? Where would you be? And, you know, often you, you know, we will say, well, it's on them if they didn't act the way they acted. If they just did their job, then I wouldn't have to say the things I say. I wouldn't have to act the way I act. I wouldn't have to do what I do. But. Are you being irresponsible with your power? Because there's a way to do everything, right? Right before I came into the studio, uh, Sir Henry and I were talking about how and how and how it's funny, that word. But how is so important. You know, how I choose to lead is the differentiator between what type of leader I am. In a relationship, how I choose to be. In that relationship is the differentiator between whether a relationship is good and bad. What do you think leadership is ultimately? It's a relationship. So how is a huge part of it. And so if you're a leader, no. Yes, you know, uh, the people who report to you have to be responsible for their actions. But then you have to be responsible for your response. At the workshop, the Career Corner workshop, one of the things I shared is that 
a part of one of the things about personal efficacy is being able to receive some type of stimulus and then monitor your response. And so, uh, you know, in Michael Heider's book, The Power of Choice, one of the things that he says is it's not the stimulus, but it's the response. And he's not talking to leaders. He's just talking about anybody who is in a career and trying to navigate that career. So how much more for leaders does this hold true? It's not the stimulus. It's the response. So are you being responsible with your response as a leader? Uh, Another way to think about it. But ultimately, leaders facilitate change. Whether the change is positive, whether the change is negative, leaders influence the course in which another person's life will go. And when you think about the leadership roles in our community, how seriously are we taking those roles? And are we doing the work to ensure that we're learning how to be more effective leaders? I think I told this story before. I took on a new job some time ago. I was a new leader, young leader, and I took on this job. And at the job, they had a, they had a survey. And so, you know, you're, the people who work for you would take the survey and evaluate your leadership. And so when I first got there, they had this survey, but I, I was too new to participate. But anybody who got really high scores on the survey were considered to be a dynamic leader. And so I wanted to be a dynamic leader because you get recognized, you went on stage, you got an award, et cetera. And so a year later, fast forward, a year later, my team had the opportunity to take this survey. And I was uh, at this forum where all the leaders in the company gathered. And I was basically like, I'm a good leader. I'm a good leader because I know I'm a good leader. People like me. My, people, my, my team likes me. So I should win this award. And so they're calling the names. And, uh, you know, my last name starts with an H. And I noticed that it, you know, it was, you know, in some ways by an alphabetical order. And they passed the H's up. And I thought to myself, hmm, well, I thought it was in alphabetical order. Maybe they're doing it by region. You know, maybe they, they're going to go back and come to Chicago, you know, to people who live in the Chicago region. Well, as you probably can suspect, that didn't happen. <laughs> and by the time they end up calling, they stop calling names. I realized I was not one of the people who won this award. And so at the end of the session, I went out to get my score, my score for this leadership survey. And before I even left the building, I tore open the package. I go inside the package and I pull out my survey results to look at my score. And when I see my score, it's less than impressive. And so I'm like, okay, how did this happen? How did this happen? So I start to look at the different answers or, I mean, the different survey questions. And one of the questions that I noticed that was really low was respect. Really low. And I remember I was I was really upset about that because being an African-American man working in an environment where I'm a minority, you would think I was I was kind of telling myself you would think the one thing that I would have for the people who work for me is respect because I know what it feels like to be disrespected. And they were saying I was not that respectful. And I remember having a moment where you kind of feel you feel almost helpless. You feel almost helpless. And. It didn't hit me right then, but after having some conversation with the team and having some dialogue, I realized that, in fact, I hadn't been respectful. And there were things or ways they saw respect that, you know, I was thinking the golden rule worked. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. But some of what I was doing to them, they weren't feeling because that's not what respect looked like for them. Might be what it looks like for me, but not for them. And I, I think that's the first time I realized that respect is pretty hard because respect is really about respecting somebody the way they want to be respected versus how I think I might want to be respected. 
And so I really got serious about my leadership development because I realized I wasn't as good as I thought I was. So a couple of things to take away. When was the last time you had some kind of survey in regards to your leadership? Because you might think you're hot. You might think you're actually a really good leader. And in, if you surveyed the people who report to you, now don't go do this because half the time people who work for us aren't going to be honest, especially if you're a bad leader. You walk in and say, hey, am I a good leader? Of course, you're not going to say, no, nah, you're a bad leader. They're going to say, oh, yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, you're pretty good. And as soon as you walk out, they're going to be like, man, he's smoking something. And everybody in the room will agree with that individual because they know that you're really not. So that's not the way to do it. But maybe there's a way you can set up something anonymous or so 360 or have a, another person come in and evaluate it who will hold it as confidential. But that's the best way to find out. And so anyway, after a series of those type of things and assessments, I've been able to develop my leadership. But leadership is a journey. And so it's constant development, which is one of the reasons I was at the summit. So what I would say is, sorry, I, I shared a whole lot. I wanted to get to I want to get to these notes. I don't know why I do that sometimes. I just, this feels like there's something in the, in the air that I'm like, somebody needs to hear this. So but one of the key problems we have today as a society is that there are very few leaders who are really effective. And I'm not just pulling this out of the air. OK, they're numbers. You know, they're, they're numbers done by leadership development organizations. And, you know, like I said, the numbers about 11 percent of North American leaders are effective. So if you're a leader and you hear my voice, I'm asking you, are you effective? Have you been responsible about the impact and influence you have on the lives of other people, of human beings? Because that matters so much more than you know. Are you being a responsible leader? That's the question. Tonight's topic, effective leadership. And I really want to know, are there any good leaders left? And does leadership development make a difference? Now, as most of you know, I take my own personal development and self-improvement very serious. And I'm even more passionate about my leadership development. And you now you understand why. I said it. Leaders facilitate change, whether the change is perceived to be positive or negative. Typically, a leader is always at the helm of initiating that change. Thus, leaders influence the course in which others, other people's lives will go. That's a big deal. And this type of influence is powerful. Therefore, this type of influence should be held with a great deal of reverence and responsibility. Now, seven years ago, I was introduced to this Global Leadership Summit. And I have to tell you, I was completely blown away by the diversity of the speakers and the leadership development at the summit and the leadership insights I received over the span of the two-day summit. And so I haven't missed the summit since. And this year's summit was held over a Thursday and a Friday back in August and what I want to do real quick with the time I have left is share, you know, seven or so, maybe eight leadership lessons of the 2014 Global Leadership Summit. OK, and so I'm going to going to move fast because I want to get through them. If you have a question, feel free to call and uh, I'll tell you who these leaders are. Some uh, a great roster of leaders. So the very first leader I want to bring up is Jeffrey Immelt. OK, 
And Jeffrey Immelt, for those of you guys who don't know who this is, is the president and CEO at General Electric, okay, GE. That's a big deal. That's a big company, all right? He's leading a business that is worth billions of dollars, okay? Now, Mr. Immelt provided a plethora of uh, different poignant leadership tips. But of the wisdom that he shared at that summit, a few things really stuck out to me. And so I want to run over those. Now, the first thing that stuck out to me was a statement that he made about diversity. Okay, Um, And as you guys know, I'm a diversity professional. And what he said is, if you believe in talent and meritocracy, you believe in diversity. If you want to win, your organization must be diverse. And again, this is GE. Jeffrey Immelt is a Caucasian male. And a really big deal for somebody at his status to say something like that. Okay, then he went on to share that GE invests one billion, one billion dollars in leadership development every year. Okay, what's the takeaway for you? Here's a multi-billion dollar organization that realizes that if they want to be successful, they have to pump dollars into the leader leadership development. So now for you as an individual, again, I've talked about this before on the show. You know, you are the CEO of your life. What are you doing for your own development? And it's fascinating because as a coach, as a coach, one of the hardest things to get people to do is to actually invest in themselves, like in themselves, like in their spirit, in their own education, and their own ability to create some type of personal efficacy for the future. I'm not talking about investing yourself buying a pair of Jordans. I'm not talking about investing yourself buying a brand new leather jacket. All that stuff is, those are depreciating assets, okay? That can be taken from you. What people cannot take is when you invest in yourselves, you invest in your spirit, you invest in your mind, you invest in your brain, you invest in your education. Nobody can take that. Those are the type of investments that typically we really think hard about making. It's like it's fascinating to me. It's easier for me to go buy a $200 shirt than it is for me to spend $200 on my own development and learning. You know, I remember speaking to a gentleman and we were talking about this workshop and I told him the workshop is $100 for four hours of development. When I tell you, really good development, okay? And he was like, $100? But at the same time, I know on a Saturday night, that folks are spending, hey, how much is the Mayweather fight tonight, Zach? How much is that fight, man? It, it's about $69.99 for pay-per-view? Probably. $59, $60, something like that. Anyway, it's $60, $70. But if I say invest in yourself for a, a workshop or invest in yourself to learn something, hey, buy this book, you know, you know what I'm saying? Then it's like, well, you know, I don't have the money for that or I don't have the time for that. But at the same time, you'll buy the Mayweather fight and sit in front of the TV for three or four hours and Mayweather going to be on for how long? 30 minutes. And they're going to sit and make you make you watch three other fights you don't even want to see. And then you'll turn around and say you don't have time to learn. (laughs) Man, don't get me started. It's not serious to you. And so, you know, this whole concept of running your life like a CEO 
And I'm telling you now that the CEO of a billion dollar entity is willing to invest one billion dollars in leadership development for their leaders. That's how you get money. Like if you really want to get money, invest in yourself, invest in your spirit, invest in your own education. That's how you get money. That's the only way I know how to get money. That's how I got the little bit of money I got. That's how you get money. Anything else, you're fooling yourself. I'm just saying. So, all right, let me get off my soapbox. <laughs> they should put a soapbox in here for me, man. Just say soap on the bottom. <laughs> anyway, he also explained, I'm talking about Jeffrey Immel. He also explained how despite previous economic pressure, G has always been committed to the principle that if their organization has strong leaders, then they will be a strong company. All right. So think about your own leadership or think about your business. You are the CEO of your life. Are you investing in having a strong business? Again, you are the CEO of your life. Are you investing in having a strong, a strong business or is most of your time investment spent on playing games, entertaining yourself, passively moving moment to moment until you get to the next day. And now it's September and the leaves are turning. And one more year, you haven't done the things that you want to do. So Jeffrey Immel, towards the end of his session, he was asked, which qualities does he like and dislike most in a leader? And I want to I want to I want to share these. He answered as follows. He said the standout quality in a leader is a person who questions the rules or the way things have always been. And then he said the turnoff quality in a leader is a tendency to continually make excuses. All right. So are you making excuses for why you're not doing what you want to do? Are you already in your mind making excuses for why? You know, Linnell is on. He talking about it September. But the reason why I didn't get a chance to do some of the stuff I wanted to do is because I had all these circumstances. I had all these situations. Well, you one of the kind of leaders that this guy don't like so much. And if you're one of the kind of leaders that CEO of a billion dollar entity doesn't like, then I would venture to say that more than likely you being the CEO of your life and your business, your business might be failing and so you might want to make a shift and you can get mad at me if you want to. But, you know, if you tune in, I'm, I'm here to tell you the truth, not to make you feel good. And when I make you feel good, it's going to be based on inspiration. and You still got to take some action. All right. So this is work. It's hard work. So that's Jeffrey Immel. There's a, a gentleman named Don Flo. He's the chairman and CEO at Flow Companies. He's an entrepreneur, a businessman and he gave up an acronym that I want to share with you guys. And the acronym is SERVE. All right. So it's S-E-R-V-E. And what he said is the S stands for show respect. The E stands for earn trust. The R stands for reach for perfection. The V stands for value input. And the E stands for energize others. Again, we're talking about leaders, right? So he said that SERVE is the way they evaluate the leaders in their, in their organization. So, what kind of leader are you? Are you a servant leader or a leader that serves, a leader that shows respect, earns trust, reaches for perfection, values the input of others and energizes others? 
And valuing input is huge because that's how you get engagement. And by the way, none of us is as smart as all of us. That's not mine. I stole it. I think it's Helen Keller. (laughs) But none of us is as smart as all of us. And so if you're not getting input or if you're not valuing input, then uh, you uh, you're probably not running a, a highly engaged team. All right. Next person I want to talk about is Joseph Grinney. Now, Joseph Grinney or Mr. Grinney is the author of a best selling book called Crucial Conversations. Now, y'all want to check this out, OK, because this year, Mr. Grinney was one of my favorites. Now, I read his book, Crucial Conversations, some time ago, and his talk at the summit was a great reminder of how critical communication can be to the success of a leader. But not just to the success of a leader, but success of anybody in any type of relationship. So here are some of the main points from his book. But what I'm going to say is, you know, I don't tell you guys, I don't give up a whole lot of books. I'll quote a book, but I don't often say, go read this. All right. When I say that, I'm not just saying it for my health. I'm saying it because this is, you know, a top tier book that will really move things forward for you. Crucial Conversations is the kind of book that you should buy. I'm going to give you a few points that you will leave that you would learn in the book. Okay, but one of the things that Mr. Grinney said that really stuck out to me, he said, anytime you find yourself stuck. Stop and ask what crucial conversation Am I not having so in a relationship, if you find yourself stuck, the best thing you can do is stop and ask what crucial conversation am I not having? Like, what am I trying to just operate on top of or what am I looking over? What conversation and not just crucial conversation, typically courageous conversation because you would have it if it was easy. And so that means that it's a tough conversation. So what conversation are you not having? Then the other thing he says is when it matters most that we communicate well, we typically don't. Why? Because we're humans and humans, we're plagued by emotion and all the other things that it means to be human. Okay. And so what he's saying is when the stakes are high, typically so are emotions. And so when it matters most that we communicate well, typically we don't. So what does that mean? What does that what does that tell you? That unless you can really manage your emotions, act with emotional intelligence when you're communicating, then you may find yourself in situations where you're not communicating well. And then he said crucial conversations are either a pit or a path. Think about this. It's either a pit where you can get stuck. You can actually hurt things more than what they were. Or it's a path to something brand new. A conversation that can lead or really foster and create engagement in a relationship. But either way, the leader, the person who's facilitating the conversation gets to choose. They get to choose. So either the conversation is a pit or path you choose. And then one of the last points he made is the myth that we can't tell the truth and keep a friend is the cause of most of our dysfunction. (laughs) And I love that one. The myth that you cannot tell the truth and keep a friend 
is the cause of most of our dysfunction. I mean, what is a friend if the friend can't tell you the truth? And I'll tell you, one of my good friends a couple of weeks ago, I hope you're listening too. a couple of weeks ago, called me up and told me about something that he did. And I told him, I said, man, that's I'm disappointed in you. I'm disappointed in you. And you need to look at the very root of what caused you to behave that way. And so we talked back and forth. And then at the end, he said, well, why do you think I did this? And I told him, I told him, and this is exactly what I told him. I said, now, you know, I love you. I said, but for you to do something like this tells me that there's a considerable amount of or a considerable amount of lack of love that you have for yourself. Like for you to do this, you don't love yourself the way you need to love yourself. Like there's something missing. And he was upset. He didn't see it like, oh, that's strong to say, man. How can you say that to me? I said, well, you got to remember you're talking to a life coach. You know, you got a life coach as a friend. So you ask me, I'm going to tell you. (laughs) And I told him, you know, hey, I've ever told you something that, you know, didn't come from love and wasn't what I felt was true. You know, took him like a week or two to call me back. We friends again. (laughs) But what Mr. Granny is saying that the myth that you can't tell the truth and keep a friend is the cause of most of the most of the dysfunction in your relationships. One of the reasons him and I are so close and we have a bond is because he knows whether he likes it or not. I'm going to tell him what he needs to hear. Now, I can't say I'm always 100 percent. I'm human like you. But just an example, you know what it needs to be. And if you have a friend who you can't tell the truth to, then maybe they're not the friend you need to have. Because at the end of the day, you are the reflection of your five closest friends. He also added this valuable advice for leaders. He said, how do you ensure that people know that they are safe with you? And what he said is in the first seconds of a crucial conversation, there are two things that you can do. And the first thing he said is help them know that you care about their goals, that you actually care about them. You can't tell somebody truth or you can't tell somebody something if they don't know that you care. Okay, so that's the first thing. And then the second thing he said is create a condition of safety and ensure they know that you care about them. Create a condition of safety and ensure that they know that you care about them. Now, I've said it before. As human beings, we are programmed to identify frauds. So if you think you can go and use those two examples of how to create vulnerability and authenticity in a crucial conversation and you're being fake, you're setting yourself up for failure because human beings, they can detect a fraud. You have to be authentic. You have to be real. Care about their goals and create conditions for safety for them. All right. I got a call. Michelle, how are you? I'm I'm excellent. I'm I'm trying to write and listen at the same time and, and be ready to take your call. What a great show. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Harris. I really appreciate what you do. And I just wanted to say before you get off the air that uh, I think you are a great leader. So when it comes to the question, uh, are there any good leaders left? Well, I tell you, you have come along and have given me hope. <laughs> oh, that's thank you so much. I appreciate that. No, no, that. I, I, when I said to you personally and in front of your face, eye to eye, that I needed a life coach, you are God sent to me. 
Okay, I suck at communication. Had a very similar situation in management where mm-hmm. I thought I was a good leader. My boss thought I was a good leader. Some of my coworkers thought I was a good leader, and I was leading my way. Boss wanted me to be tough, hard, mean, crude, out of character. Right. And I ended up having to leave the job because there were there, I didn't agree with her, and there were a few employees who thought I should have had a degree, and that since they had a degree and I didn't at the time, mm. how dare me lead them anywhere? Right, right. And so I had two reasons to quit. It was the most highest-paying job I ever had, and to this day I do not regret it. I know I made the right decision because mm-hmm. I needed to learn some things yeah. that I didn't know. Yeah. And so thank you for your testimony about your first uh, scores on your yeah uh, oh yeah awesome just awesome yeah. i love it i'll keep listening and i'll keep posting and hopefully i'll get to your pages and your blogs because i find your knowledge fascinating and and refreshing in fact i think everybody needs to be listening to your show so we're gonna have to work on that all right all right thank you so much i appreciate you're welcome. the phone call. thank you all right bye-bye all right appreciate that and you know i'm still working i tell you leadership is a journey you know right when you think you got it something to happen and you're like oh there's more to learn there's more to do all right real quick i got a few minutes left carly furiona she's the former chairman and ceo at hewlett packard she says something i want to share with you one of the main responsibilities of a leader is to unlock potential not to be self-serving but to unlock the potential in other people let me see here. Uh, Mr. Lencioni, Patrick Lencioni, he has a number of books that you all should read. But one of the things he said is if it's not servant leadership, then it's just management and economics. Which end do you fall on as a leader? Really good stuff. Tyler Perry was there. He was at the summit this year. You guys know who Tyler Perry is. You know, Tyler, he offered up something. I'll end the show with this. You all know he has a lot of critics and I, you know, I'm not going to say that I've never critiqued him. I think we all probably have. Right. Whenever you put yourself out there the way that he has, you're going to get some uh, some applause and you're going to get some booze. OK. And I think I've been on both sides of the spectrum with Tyler Perry in particular. And so he was asked a question. How do you deal with criticism? Like, how do you deal with criticism? And his advice on critics was this. Instead of listening to your critics, choose rather to listen to how your work inspires the people you do the work for. And then he had this message. You guys know Tyler is a Christian. He said, the Bible says, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And then what he went on to say, that means I must have critics to watch me eat. <laughs> hey, I was like, hey, Tyler got a, a, a heads up on me on that one. I said, that was hot. You know, if I'm going to have a table prepared in the presence of my enemies, then, you know, if you want to eat out here, Zach, you're going to have enemies. That's what I got out of that. And guess what? Just because they don't like you don't mean you shouldn't eat. Get what you got coming to you. That's a great way to end the show tonight. Don't matter what people think. All that matters is what you do and why you do it. 
This episode of Inspirational Perspective was recorded at the Midway Broadcasting Corporation in Chicago, Illinois on WVON 1690 AM, The Talk of Chicago. Thank you for listening. Go to the Inspirational Perspective Facebook page and like the page. Follow Linnell Harris on social media at the handle Linnell Harris. You can find him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with that handle. Text INSPIRED to 43783 to receive free inspirational quotes and updates.